Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org. Hey friends, welcome to Fountain City Church's online gathering this weekend. I hope you guys are doing uh, incredibly. We're going to jump straight into the Word. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Um, we are jumping straight back into the Gospel of Mark, which for those of you who have been a part of our community over previous weeks and months, uh, this is what we were doing right before COVID-19 um, kind of unloaded on us, and so we are stepping back into that. Uh, we wanted to take the first couple months, and for me, you know, I think for every church and every leader, it may be a little different. For us, we really felt like we needed to lean in in discernment and prophetically just what is it that God is saying in this season as people were kind of trying to navigate those things. Um, but one of the things that's really encouraging about the scripture um, is that it speaks in the middle of crisis. Like as you turn through the pages of the Bible, it's never like this is how Jesus works and this is the movement of the gospel just on really good days or when life is going well. Um, it is the story of God's history and his work in people's lives in the midst of crisis and confusion, in the midst of um, exile, in the midst of brutality and persecution and oppression. Um, and so I'm encouraged by that because right now we're going to step into the scripture and over the weeks and months to come, unless the Lord just arrests our hearts and asks us to focus on a specific subject, um, we're, we're going to continue to pursue the scripture and move through in that way. And so thank you for your, uh, your mercy. Thank you for your patience as we have figured out how to best lead and, uh, and love you and speak in this season. And if you're not involved in our church family and you don't have a church family, uh, we would love to have you just come and be a part of what we're doing. And right now that looks like what everybody else is doing. It's We gather on the weekends, we join together in midweek communities online, and uh, we have on Wednesdays a day of prayer from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. where we fast all that day, those 12 hours, and we set aside food for a, a moment to find our deep satisfaction and our longing in Jesus. And if you're anything like me, uh, fasting during this season has been harder than ever. Um, I think because there are so many available options to fill up on just little quick fixes that um, it's like eating junk food over eating vegetables, you know? Uh, like I'm drawn to the the Chick-fil-A French fries over a, a bowl of broccoli, and yet I know what's going to really feed me and sustain me and nourish me, and I know what's just going to fill me up and fatten me up, right? And so um, we want to invite you. We're just creating containers for the Spirit to come and meet with us and for us to be formed in His image and in His likeness. And so Wednesdays from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., we want to set that aside for fasting, uh, and then we pray together at 8 p.m. on Wednesday evenings. Um, so we love you guys. If you're a part of our community, our hearts are with you. If you're not and you would like to join, like to become a part of a community, even in the midst of this weird season, you are welcome. Uh, so Zoom's weird for everybody, but we're just doing it because it is what uh, needs to be done in this season. Uh, so today we're going to be jumping straight back into Mark chapter 4. Um, and this begins a chapter of parables. And different gospels have different emphases on the parables. You can get into Matthew and Luke. Uh, and there are parables that are kind of scattered throughout in different portions of Scripture. But in Mark, we just have this kind of one chapter of focused parables. Um, and parables are really one of the key ways that we see Jesus ministering to people in his day. And the purpose of parables was to create a kind of uh, confrontation and discomfort and even a crisis for people who were listening. And so as we read it today, um, I, I don't want to like, I think we tend to try to tie things up with a neat bow in our Western mindset. We really want things to make sense and to be simple and like, here's four easy principles and here's five steps and solutions. And that's not Jesus' teaching style. Uh, and in fact, Jesus really invites you into discomfort. And again, like the words that stand out to me are a confrontation in the way that you believe and a crisis like He wants you to have a crisis in the way that you see God, in the way that you see God's kingdom, and in the way that you see yourself, uh, so that these stories become these, these beautiful meeting places for you to begin questioning and reevaluating your life and how you operate and function. And that's precisely what Jesus did here um, as He was teaching first century Jews. 
Uh, and this is really important for us because personally, we can't help but anytime we read the scriptures or anytime we're receiving messages like you're doing right now, we can't help but to kind of force our own perspectives and worldviews on what's being said to us and happening around us. Um, and we, we may not think about that a lot, but every single one of us uh, is carrying our own perspectives and worldviews into every single circumstance and relationship and situation. And it's no different than with Jesus. Like Jesus has a lot to say to you. Jesus is saying a lot to us in Mark chapter 4. He's saying a lot to us throughout the, uh, the context of the scriptures. And all of us are fighting to see what he is saying versus just how we perceive it through our own perspectives as 21st century Judeo-Christian Western Americans with a post-biblical mindset and post-gender mindset and post-everything, right? Like, we've moved into that space. And so we bring a lot of baggage into every conversation that Jesus is having. And uh, masterfully, Jesus actually uses parables for that exact reason. Uh, that oftentimes when we're presented with just black and white facts on paper, um, it's difficult for us to not just run that through our own filters and lenses. Uh, but in story form, suddenly we have to wrestle and struggle with what it is that Jesus is saying and alluding to in a way that forces us to think for ourselves. Uh, it, it changes the whole landscape of the conversation. And so, and all of us do this, right? I mean, Christy and I were driving in the car. This was this past week, and we were having an important conversation with our oldest daughter, Lily. It was one of those like high stakes parenting teaching moments where we were teaching her how to interact with other people. And Chrissy was explaining uh, something that was really, really important to her um, that she wanted Lily to know about. And she went the distance to explain in some depth how she felt like Lily needed to see the situation and respond. And then like out of uh, a need for affirmation, Chrissy turned to me and she said, right, babe. And um, in my mind, I was in total affirmation. I, I just said, sure. And when, when I said it, I felt like it was affirmative and positive and encouraging. You know, I was just, sure, that is exactly what I think. But what Chrissy heard was, sure. Like I had just relegated all of her heartfelt advice to just being garbage. And so oftentimes we carry these filters into these situations where like what I think I'm communicating with my words is not really what's being received by the people around me. And oftentimes what people are saying to me, I'm hearing something totally, totally different. If you're married, if you've been married for like a minute, you know how this works. Uh, oftentimes we come from opposite sides of the spectrum and we're trying to figure out how to connect the dots between what someone is saying and what I'm hearing. And that is precisely what happens when Jesus gets up to speak as well. He is saying some powerful things to people around him and they are misunderstanding him and they are confusing what he is saying and they're struggling to grasp it because of their own perspectives and worldviews that they're bringing into this. And so one of the things that I like to do as a pastor is just to ask people um, after I minister, after I speak or teach or whatever, I, I like to ask them, what, do you, what did you take away from today? What did you hear that you felt like the Lord really wanted you to hear and that you need to put to work? Um, and inevitably, I'm blown away at how much of what people have heard or understood are things that I never actually said. In fact, the vast majority, like if you just ask people around in the auditorium on a Sunday, you know, in months past, hey, what do you feel like the Lord said to you out of today? It is almost always something that I never thought that they would get from what I was preaching about. Something that I might even feel was detached, but for them, they're running all this information and what they're receiving through this entire spectrum of how they see the world and how they see themselves and how they see what's important. And so I kind of imagine it like this. Even as I'm sharing with you now, you're sitting in your living room or you're sitting at your kitchen table or uh, my friend Caleb is behind the camera, wherever you're at in this, Every single one of us, we view the information coming at us, and I kind of view it as though you're holding a filter over your eyes and over your ears. And so all that information that's coming out, maybe the Lord's saying something this morning through Mark chapter 4, or you've been doing some study, like as I say it, it's passing through these filters of your value system and your perspectives and how you've seen things in the past 
Um, for some of you, you grew up with a very specific political disposition or a position on race ethics or on socioeconomics. Uh, and somehow when people say things, they have to pass through these filters of your perspective and your worldview. And I, I just kind of think of it like that. Like people just come in with filters over their ears and their eyes. And oftentimes we only see what we want to see and we only hear what we want to hear. And we tend to do that with the scriptures as well. And so Mark chapter 4 is really powerful because Jesus is actually challenging that reality. He's challenging the reality that we come to the gospel and we come to the cross and often we come to Jesus with our baggage and we actually want Jesus' affirmation on how we already see things. And that is not at all what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't come to us to just affirm our lifestyle and our ways of seeing things and our definitions of life and love and freedom. Jesus actually comes with his own definitions. And oftentimes the very act of living in connection with Jesus means that we are bringing all of our perspectives and all of our way of life and we're opening up that luggage and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to unpack that with us. And he begins to share his perspective and the way that he sees things and what his preferred destination for our lives is over our own. Um, and so if, if you're a Christ follower, if you are endeavoring to follow Jesus, but you haven't really like started on that journey, one of the promises that I can give to you is that the road looks very different than any of us imagines. Like there are so many things that Jesus comes to us with that we just would not choose for ourselves. Or it's not our way of seeing things or our family's way of seeing things. Um, it's certainly not the way that our culture sees things. And so this invitation to follow Jesus is really an invitation for us to constantly evaluate our own perspectives and worldviews in order to really grasp what he's inviting us into. Uh, and that can be a, an incredibly challenging invitation. Uh, but I want you to know that Jesus invites you. You know, for so many people, they wrestle for a lifetime with feeling like they're not invited or they're not good enough. Um, and that's just it's not what the Bible says, and it's not the invitation of the gospel. It's that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, you know, so that you could hear, so that you can know him. Uh, and so this is a broad invitation to everyone, everywhere, um, but he wants us to respond. And so uh, this morning, or as you're kind of listening to this, we're going to read out of Mark chapter 4. Um, and I really want to start with this first verse and just kind of set it up. It, uh, it tells us in verse 1, and I'm just going to read it out of my scripture instead of off my screen. It says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. One of his popular teaching places, uh, when I got to go to Capernaum and to Israel uh, about a year and a half ago, there was a beautiful lake area, and Jesus just traveled around this massive lake that you can see for miles and miles and miles, and the land kind of rose up all around the lake, and people would gather. And he was often there on the shoreline teaching. And it says again, he began to teach by this lake. And the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and he sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And he taught them many things by parables. And so Jesus is here on the shoreline and people are crowding to him because his teaching is coming with authority and the way that he lives his life. People are being transformed and changed as they listen to him and follow him. And it's so crowded though, he's so popular that Jesus actually has to climb into a boat to make space between him and the people so that others can hear him. You can imagine if, there was, if Jesus was in the middle of a room and there are a hundred people surrounding him, the people on the edges of the circles couldn't hear him. And so Jesus climbs into a boat, and he actually uh, has someone paddle out from shore a little bit. Uh, and the way the land is, with the land cascading upward into hills, people would sit all along the hillside. And if you've ever been out over the water, you know that your voice carries so much further because there's no obstacle. And so his voice would carry over the water perfectly and cascade up the hills like a natural amphitheater. And so Jesus is here on this amphitheater, uh, and he's, he's teaching. He begins to teach all this massive group of people. And I want you to imagine if you were there with Jesus in this moment, that out of the hundreds of people who are surrounding him on these hillsides, there is every spectrum of person who's come to listen. There's a person who uh, has been healed by Jesus and has, man, they formed like a deep 
a deep affection and love for Jesus. There are those who are like prostitutes and tax collectors who have actually heard that they can inherit the kingdom of God. They love the ministry of Jesus. They love the authority that he preaches with. And then you've got your people who are coming out and they're listening. Like they're curious, but they're also terrified of what it might mean if what he is saying is actually true. And then you've got others. You, you have those who, they hear that Jesus does incredible miracles and they just want a show. So you got these people who come out and say, Rabbi, show us a sign. Do a miracle for us. Dance, Jesus. Do something we really like. Or the people who are out with the 4,000 or the 5,000 and Jesus multiplies bread and fish out of nowhere. They get a free meal, right? And so you got some people who are coming because of their deep affection and desire for Jesus. You have others who are coming because they want a show and they want a meal. And Jesus knows this. But then you've also got these people who come and they are sharp critics. Uh, they are coming to find condemning statements and remarks that they can bring up later. There are people there who want to murder Jesus. And here's Jesus in this moment where he is teaching and sharing words of life. And he is looking at people who he knows, right? He, he knows that they have a deep affection for him. And then he knows that these people want him dead. And they're all standing in the same crowd. And so Jesus actually shares a parable, a story, because it's going to produce a result in every person, no matter how far they are from him, no matter how open they are in their hearts or their posture toward him. Because in these parables, people's hearts are exposed and revealed. In fact, one of the things that you will find in parables is that it tends to reinforce whatever the posture of your heart is towards Jesus already. Like for the people who came uh, to, to kill Jesus or because they hated Jesus, this only reinforced exactly what they thought about him. If they came in thinking he was a kook or he was just some crazy person who needed to be done away with, like a parable about a farmer sowing seed in a field just ticked him off and made him think, this guy's crazy. Like he's not teaching us about the temple. He's not talking to us uh, about sacrifice. He's not teaching about the righteousness of God. He's talking about a farmer. So it just reinforced their hatred for this guy and his teaching. But for those who came whose hearts were open. For, for some of you this morning, you're opening the scripture and you're thinking, Lord, I, I know that I don't know the way to live. I need help. I need your mercy. I need your presence in my life. To those people who are in the crowds that day with open hearts, the parables become this meeting place where they can step deeper into relationship with Jesus. And so my encouragement to you is that this week and next week, as we go through this chapter of parables, um, that you would challenge and evaluate the posture of your heart. Maybe for you, you come to the scriptures and you kind of already think they know, you know what they say. Uh, I've had that attitude plenty of times. Um, and oftentimes it's when I come to the scriptures in that way and to Jesus in that way that I receive nothing and grow zero and gain nothing. But most of the time when I come hungry and I come with an open heart, uh, those are the places where God meets me. And so I just want to encourage you that as we peruse the parables over this week and next week, that you would allow Jesus to challenge your notion of what God is like and of what his kingdom is like and of who Jesus is in this story and who you are. You know, the, the point of parables is that you begin to see your own reflection in them. And oftentimes, if, the, if you're doing it well, if you're really coming in with an open heart, you see yourself in multiple characters in the story. And you actually begin to hear God's invitation to step into different places. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you to take that leap um, and to really start perusing the parables. Go into Matthew 13, jump over into Luke, and check out how Jesus uses stories uh, to really challenge us to reevaluate our thinking and our living and the way that we see Him. Okay? Um, now, it's worth mentioning that this first parable, the parable of the sower, is kind of the source code for all the other parables. Um, in fact, it's the introduction that lays out how we are to read and interact with parables. Um, and why is that? I think what you'll see in just a moment is that this is Jesus talking about what's happening in the people who are listening to him at that very moment. So he is telling a parable. He's telling a story to describe how people are wrestling with what they're hearing right then in real time. And so it's not disconnected. He's not just talking about the principles of seed sowing, um, even though you can get some of that out of there. He's really talking about how people are interacting with his ministry 
in the moment that he's doing it. So it's really powerful for that reason. Um, okay, so Mark chapter 4, we're going to jump straight back in. Verse 3, think about it, they're all surrounding Jesus. They're listening for the words of life. And Jesus chooses kind of a strange story just to share with them. And imagine yourself in the crowd this day. Like you have come to hear God's words. And this is what he says. He says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they didn't bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, and even 100 times. And then Jesus says, He who has ears, let him hear. And that's the story, right? I mean, like Jesus is on the hillside. People are looking for the words of life from this guy that they're pretty sure is a Messiah. And this is his story. A farmer goes out and he starts to sow seed and it falls on these different kinds of ground. If you have ears to hear, hear. <laughs> so there is this insistence for Jesus right now that he is saying something incredibly important. And how do we know that? He starts off the parable by saying, listen, hey, all of you who are already pointing your faces at me and listening to me, listen. Open your ears. And he closes it by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. So the, the question for you this morning in your homes is, do you have ears? Yeah? Great. Do you have ears to hear? Are you actually listening? This is actually like a jump off from the book of Proverbs that says, eyes that see and ears, excuse me, ears that hear, God's made them both. And so the writer of Proverbs is insisting that not everybody who has eyes actually sees, and not everybody who has ears or even the capacity to hear actually hears. It actually takes some intentionality for us as people to disengage from what we think we hear to actually hear what's being said. It takes some intentionality to move past simply what I think I see into what the reality of a situation is. And Jesus reinforces that. He says, look, if you've got ears to hear, listen up. I'm saying something valuable. And this is funny. Even in this story, his disciples come to him right after that in verse 10. And it says, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him, they asked him about the parables. And he told them, guys, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they may turn and be forgiven. And this is really a quote out of the book of Isaiah where the passage is saying that these people will see, but they won't see. And they're going to hear, but they never really are going to perceive and understand. They're hardened. That's what Isaiah is all about. But in context, it's also the passage of Scripture that says that there will be a, a, a seed from the stump of Jesse. There's going to be this promised uh, healer and this promised Savior who's going to come out of Israel. Uh, even though people don't see and understand and perceive him, that he's coming and he's God's promise. And Jesus points back to this and he says, look, parables are a way to, to unlock and reveal what's really in our hearts. Because we so quickly reject what it is that God's doing. In verse 13, Jesus goes on mercifully to explain what this parable is all about to his disciples. And he says to them, don't you understand this parable? He says, how then will you understand any parable if you don't get this one? The farmer sows the word. And some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and he takes away the word that was sown in them. And others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. So Jesus actually starts into this explanation and he begins to talk about what it is that's happening. He says that the farmer is, is the father who is sowing the word, right? And, and this should like illuminate for us, for those of you who are in the scriptures and you're digging, uh, he sows the word. John 1 tells us that in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. And He is pointing to the life of Jesus. John is he's illuminating that Jesus was the Word. He was the spoken Word of God, right? Something that you might not be able to see because it's spirit. He becomes the material 
impact and influence. He becomes the, the direct expression of God's nature and what he is saying and what he is doing in the world, and that is Jesus. And this says here uh, that, that the farmer is sowing the word. And he starts to talk about these different types of soil. Now, here, here's the beauty of this parable, is that in this soil, you and I can begin to see our own faces. We can begin to see our own lives and some of the, um, the obstacles and the fruit in our lives, right? He says, he says that the farmer sows the word, and some people are like seeds sown along the path where the word is sown. And it said, as, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and he takes away the word that was sown in them. And so you can almost imagine like the farmer scooping his hand into a bag of seed. Uh, and in that day, man, you got these huge fields that most of the time they've been plowed by ox and, um, and they've been opened up for the seed. And if you've ever done any planting, you, you trench out these areas and you drop seed into the trench and you cover it up with soil and you water it so that it begins to grow in these uh, specific rows. But as a farmer is pulling seed out of a bag, like inevitably some seed just kind of scatters and falls from his hand. And it says some of it falls along the path. And we, we don't get the, there's no like idea that this is an accident. Like it sounds like God's actually broadly spreading the seed. He's not just planting the seed where he knows it's going to bring growth. He actually throws it everywhere, right? And so, so the farmer is generously sowing seed. And he says, some of you who are listening you are just like seed that falls on the hardened path, the place where you've been walking to get, uh, the, the pathway to get to the field. And he says, your life is like that, like seed just falls on it. And because the soil is so hard and crusty and is not tilled up, the seed just sits there on the surface and birds come and snatch it right away. And Jesus says, this is exactly what, like many of your lives. He says, as soon as you hear the word, Satan comes and he snatches it and takes away the word that was sown on you. And why? Because the soil's hard. Because something in the nature and the, the posture of our life is hardened to Jesus. Remember, this is all about how people are receiving Jesus. So he comes and he makes some demands or he begins to speak some truth that doesn't fit into my worldview or my perspective. And my heart is just, it is closed off and it is hard to that word. And what happens? He says Satan actually comes and he steals the seed along the path. This is just one of the types of soil. He goes on and he says, Others are like seeds sown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So, so this second picture is the seed is actually falling on this soil that is there, but it's shallow. It's got rocks underneath the surface. And when the seed begins to go down into the soil, it very quickly sprouts up. But as soon as the sun comes out, there's no root on this plant and it scorches the plant. You know, for, for us, I think for many of us, we have been those people and we have seen those people where the soil of our life hasn't been cultivated for growth. You know, I'm thinking in this season right now, um, for many of us, we entered into that kind of disorienting place uh, where our spiritual practices or disciplines weren't really strong. Our, our time in the Word or our time in prayer, um, our cultivated time of spending time in silence with the Lord or serving other people or just being hospitable to people. Like maybe you didn't have those places cultivated and you felt it. Like the, the weirdness of the season has scorched your plant, your fruit, your life because you weren't really deeply rooted. And this isn't a shame statement, but man, it's one of those that allows us to see, hold on, I have been experiencing that. I have wilted in this season because my roots only went down to my, my, my rhythm and routine prior to COVID. And I think it's an invitation. I see myself there in places where I'm like, Lord, I need to be deeply rooted in you if I'm going to uh, survive uh, times of hardship or persecution. And notice that he says, uh, that whenever persecution or trouble comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Uh, and so some of you may, may actually find your own reflection in that statement. That like you were passionate about Jesus and there was some growth and fruit. But when Jesus like commands you to make some changes in your life, when the Spirit of God is convicting you and leading you away from some old habits and you feel the pushback from your previous culture or maybe your previous friend group, who just, they still want to do the same old things. They still want to uh, abuse substances or get wasted or sleep around. 
And suddenly you're just realizing, like, I, I can't follow Jesus and be with that group of people. And you feel the persecution of that. Maybe you're even feeling some negative pushback from people that you've had relationships with who just, Jesus is not the center of their life. They're not making decisions based on what Jesus is saying. And you realize, man, uh, it's costing me something now. And for, for you, he, he says, look, there are some here who are like that seed sown on rocky places. It looks, it looks pretty. It looks sweet. But when hard times come, you start to realize that there's no strength. A strong wind can push it over, right? Uh, the sun coming out can scorch the plant in a second. And I think for all of us, again, there's no shame here. But I do believe that Jesus wants to illuminate where our hearts are at. And for some of us, we need to begin to, to dig into the dirt and pull up the rocks that are keeping us from growing. Others, he says, um, he, he says here in verse 18, he says, still others, like seeds sown among thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. He says, some of you are like the seed that's kind of like bounced off of the path and into the soil that hasn't been tilled up. It's thorny. It's got something else growing in it. And he says the plant actually grows, like you receive the word and it begins to grow. But the problem is this other stuff that's growing in the soil of your life actually overtakes the word. And I don't know about for you, but for me, you know, I kind of like self-identify. Just growing up in the church, I, uh, I'm type A, I'm kind of a rule follower by nature. I grew up feeling very much like legalistic. You know, if, if I just did X, Y, and Z, God was going to be pleased. But I have found in my life that oftentimes there are other things that are growing up in the soil of my life that just want to choke out the fruitfulness. And what does he say those things are? He says that for many of you, you've received the word, right? Like Jesus is speaking to you. You may even have an affinity for the scriptures. You may love to be in church. But he says that the uh, deceitfulness of wealth, Firstly, that you actually have an allure to be wealthy. That in your mind, you spend a lot of time thinking about stuff and money and how to get ahead. And he said it's, it's deceitful. He said you're, you're actually pouring your life into something that is a false foundation. And when you put your weight on it, it crumbles. It's deceitful. Or like uh, the, the name Jacob in the scriptures means deceiver. It's someone who sticks their leg out and trips you when you're on a clear path. And so sometimes wealth for us, and particularly in America and in our culture, I think many of us who don't even think that we are struggling with the deceitfulness of wealth actually do because of our culture. He says that is one of the thorny things. That's one of the things that can grow up around the gospel and actually chokes the gospel out of your life. Is this, this idea that I need to be so worried with my wealth and what's coming in that it actually chokes out the life of God. What else does he say? He says, the deceitfulness of wealth, number one, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word. And so sometimes it's not wealth, right? Sometimes it's not money and stuff, but it's just personal desires, personal ambitions. I can tell you even as a pastor, and this is uh, it's terrible to admit, but there are times even as ministers where we have these ambitions to grow a certain kind of church or to be known or to be seen or heard in a certain light that actually chokes out the life of God in us. Isn't that crazy? And as much as that's true of me, it's true of all of us, that all of us actually have these other things that can grow up around our lives that actually contend and destroy the life of God inside of us. Uh, I remember years ago, one of those things for me, I had just gone through a season where um, I had gotten hard to like generosity. And from the time I was little, man, it was like generosity was one of those things where God just always met with me. You know, like I love giving. I love giving money to people in need. I loved um, meeting people's needs wherever they were at. And um, I was working at Evangel Temple here in town and this gentleman came in and he was asking for money. And um, I actually was giving him a ride across town and I said, hey, what do you need? And, and he started to say, I just need $50. And I remember in that moment, I was, I was there and my heart had grown hard toward, toward just giving and generosity and people taking advantage. And I was pretty sure that this guy was trying to take advantage of me, to be honest. 
Um, and I had the money. I never carried cash, but in this moment, I had uh, like $100 in my pocket. I actually had a $50 bill, which is uncanny, you know. Um, but he said, I, I need some money. And when he asked me for that $50, I told him I didn't have it. And the second I told him I didn't have it, the Holy Spirit said, what is wrong with you? And I realized, I, I thought everything was fine in my life, but there was some deceitfulness of wealth. There was this idea that I needed to cling to something and that I couldn't trust the Lord and what was happening in that moment uh, to take care of me uh, and to, to even move through my generosity in a situation where I just wasn't 100% confident what was going on. And the Holy Spirit really arrested my heart. And I had to go back and just apologize. I apologized to the man and just said, look, I'm so sorry. I had that money in my pocket um, and I, I lied and I want to give it to you. And I handed him that money uh, and he got out. And I, I don't know if he used it for good things or bad things. That was not even the point. The point was I drove away from that place and my heart woke back up to the kingdom of God. And I don't know about for you, I know for me, there was such a, a tenderness in that moment to realize that, man, the word had been sown and there were thorny places in my life that were growing up and choking out the life of God. And I could see my reflection in the story. You know, I looked right there and I thought, man, that is it. That's the scariest place to be, that I can actually have some growth in my life, but it's unfruitful. It's being choked out by desires for other stuff and wealth. And we have to ask, like, do we have ears to hear this? Do you have ears to hear this this morning? Um, maybe there are some things growing up in your life that are choking out the life of God. And I want to ask you to open your heart, open your ears to that right now. Um, and finally, he says, others are like seed sown on good soil. So finally, the, the farmer's seed is hitting the soil that has been tilled up and cultivated. He says they hear the word, they accept it and they produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. And the point's not really like how much fruit is being produced. It's just that this, this is an unusual yield. I mean, a seed goes down and it produces a crop 30 and 60 and 100 times what they put in the ground. This is an exponential kind of divine seed, right? And for many of you, this is you. Like you've come in and maybe you've been in different seasons where you could see your own life in other kinds of soil. But in this season, the soil is hitting your life and it's producing fruit. You're seeing the fruit of the Spirit. His love and His joy and peace and patience and kindness. All of His fruit just being born in your life. And this is the promise that when we stand with hearts that are open and postured to receive from Jesus, when we receive Jesus on His terms, when we allow Him to confront our perspectives and worldviews and submit our way so that His triumphs over ours, He says that you actually are accepting the seed and is producing this, this exponential crop in your life. And many of you are feeling that right now. You're feeling the weight of what it is that Jesus wants to produce in you. And so I just want to share a couple things as we close. Um, the invitation, I think, for this passage of Scripture for all of us is, again, like th this is the source code for us to understand parables. As Jesus is speaking to us, our hearts kind of take on the shape of one of these kinds of soil. And the, the question is not like what principles can you pull. It's what are you seeing in yourself? When, when you read this passage of Scripture, where is the Holy Spirit highlighting areas that need to shift and change if you are going to be fruitful. Because the invitation for all of us is not just, well, this is who I am and I'm stuck here, right? Uh, I'm hard-hearted and stuck. No, you actually have an incredible amount of power to make decisions to move toward Jesus. Or maybe you feel like, man, I'm thorny. I, I am so worried about how much money I'm making and what kind of car I drive and how nice my apartment is and whatever. And Jesus is just inviting you. What does it look like to start seeing those thorny things uprooted in your life so that the crop can grow, so that you can live a fruitful life? One of the beautiful things, years I think about a year back, we were actually going through some of this in our church family. And uh, I remember one of the people in our church just shared, you know, this is good soil and whatever, or it's good seed, and whatever soil uh, you are, when the seed hits it, it creates life. 
And so for you this morning, I just want to invite you to see that God loves you, that He is generous in heart toward you, and He is sowing His Word, not just to, for you to be saved by putting your faith in Him once, you know, like one time in your history or your experience, but that God is radically devoted to your freedom. You know, as we were talking about that weeks ago, that God is passionate. He is zealous about you living a life that is always moving toward deeper levels of freedom in Him. That means that He is going to consistently, through the work of the Holy Spirit, confront you and convict you of things that are keeping you away from Him and from uh, obeying Him and loving others. He's constantly working in you to move you deeper into places of freedom and authority and strength in Him. And this is that process of sanctification. And so I just want to encourage you, maybe you're coming to Christ for the first time today and you just say, you know what? I'm that hard soil. I'm that place where the Word of God can't even seem to penetrate. I think the first thing that we have to do is just realize it, right? Just, just recognize that your heart is hard and your mind isn't really even malleable to what Jesus is saying because of how broken you are. And that really is us just confessing that we are sinful and broken apart from Jesus. We're sinful and broken. There is nothing that we bring to God that He's incredibly blown away by. All of us come into the kingdom of God broken and in sin. We all come in the same way. Um, and so we just start right there. For many of us, we are. We're like that hardened soil and our hearts are just hard. Today, if you are feeling conviction about a hardness of heart, uh, it's an invitation to repent. It's an invitation to accept that you are broken and far away and that Jesus is not only offering you just to be saved so that you can get to heaven one day. He's actually inviting you to allow him to fill you up with heaven today. Right? This is one of the confrontational things about these parables. For the people listening, they thought that they were saved and they were fine as long as they were Jews. They were God's people. And Jesus came to confront them on that. He just said, look, you are not all God's people. Some of you have hardened hearts and you don't belong to the Father. For some of us in church, maybe your heart's hard. Uh, I think maybe it's possible to sit in the pew out of a cultural obligation, but to never really allow Jesus to shape your life. And one of the ugliest things is people who call themselves Christians, but actually operate in the same kind of greed and lust um, and anger and bitterness and hatred as the world does. That's the ugliest thing, right? And so we have to evaluate that. And others of us, we're like the rocky soil. Uh, in those moments where there's persecution that comes or where our culture demands we go its way and Jesus is calling us a different way, we find that we're not really rooted in Jesus. And, and I believe that Jesus is inviting you today into what I think we could just call maturity. You know, like you, you believe in Jesus, you love Jesus, but your life isn't rooted. And so when hard stuff comes, you just, you kind of flake out or bail out. And you know, I feel like for most of us in our culture, we, this is actually the picture of our culture. We actually have an affinity for Jesus, but when hard stuff comes, we actually just go to pieces and faith goes out the window. And I just want to encourage you, there is an invitation for us that we can begin to dig into the soil of our lives and allow the Holy Spirit to dig in and that we can remove the rubble that's keeping us from growing deep, deep, deep into Him. But where do you see your story kind of emerging here in the parable? And what is it that Jesus is showing you here from this parable? For others of you, you're uh, also part of that thorny soil. You know, you may find that your reflection looks like that, that there's this other stuff, this ambition that drives you. And you just feel like your identity and your purpose is just found in those ambitions or in that relationship or whatever, or it's in wealth, just how much stuff you can get, how hard you can work to get it. And to you, Jesus invites you to confront those things as deceitful and as lies. Things that would actually undermine and destroy the fruit of God in your life. I don't know where you find yourself. I know in different moments I find myself in each one of these soils. But the invitation of this parable and the invitation really in a relationship with Jesus is that as he comes to you, that you would begin to move toward an open posture, toward his claims, right? That the claims of the gospel of Mark, for those of you who haven't been a part of this conversation before coronavirus, um, the claims of Jesus are 
that he is the Messiah, which is the anointed one of Israel, in whom like he fulfills all the promises that God has spoken over Israel uh, to be holy and set apart and to be a blessing to all nations, that he is the fulfillment of that. That is his claim. And so um, Israel is wrestling with that in the moment as Jesus is speaking. And strangely this morning, uh, if Jesus was to walk in your room where you were at and to say, you know, I am the Messiah and the Son of God. Come and follow me. There are some demands on what that means. And so Jesus is speaking that these claims that he is the Messiah, but also that he is the Son of God. Uh, and this morning, I want you to wrestle with that reality, that Jesus is going to be teaching us some things in Mark chapter 4, and as we continue on through the, the Gospel of Mark. And you are quickly going to be able to see how open you are and receptive you are to what Jesus has to say. You may be like that hardened soil, or you may be like that soil that has been tended, uh, it has been cultivated, and it is ready for what Jesus is sowing, and it's going to produce fruit out of it. And wherever you're at in that spectrum, the invitation of Jesus is there to come deeper into relationship with Him, to move more into a receptiveness into what He has to say. Uh, and so I want to ask you to do something. Would you just stop right now and close your eyes and just evaluate your own heart? Maybe the Lord has been speaking something to you in the quiet, or maybe there is a nagging sense through your community, people who love Jesus and who are following Him. Maybe they've been sharing things with you or you've been sensing them in yourself that something is off or it's missing. And I just want to ask you, stop and evaluate yourself right now. Am I open and receptive to the words of Jesus in my life? Am I actually coming to the scriptures with a hunger and a thirst for him to shape me and form me and make me into his image? Or am I trying to simply get Jesus' words to affirm what I already believe is true? Those are two very separate paths. And Jesus is inviting us into a relationship that is dynamic and robust where he is speaking these words over us. I think his, uh, his encouragement really resonates. It's out of uh, verses 21 through 25, and I'll just read it off my screen here. He says to them after this parable, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? This is in time with no electricity, right? And so a lamp that is lit, it's gonna light up the whole house. He says, do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or under a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Again, if anyone has ears, let them hear. Jesus is saying the teachings that I am giving you, they are the light that are going to reveal and to expose everything that is hidden within us, even the deceitfulness and the posture of our hearts. And for if you're anything like me, there are so many times where I am unaware of how my heart is toward the Lord or toward others. Um, but he says, I actually want to, by my spirit, I'm going to bring the light in and it's going to shine in the places, the deep covered recesses of your heart, the hidden places. And it's going to expose those things so that you can see clearly. The goal of Jesus is that you would be deeply aware, deeply um, exposed to the reality that he sees and that he wants to move you toward him. He continues in verse 24. Listen again. Think of how many times he's repeating this. Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. And whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from him. Listen to that. He closes with the same warning twice. He's given it four times in a matter of a parable in these considerations, these warnings. He says, consider carefully what you hear. In other words, the value and the worth you give to what Jesus is saying will forever impact your life. He's saying consider it carefully. Why? Because the measure you use, the value you place on what it is that Jesus is speaking to you through his word, by his spirit, through the community of the saints, that stuff is going to shape your lives. And in fact, he says, I will measure you by that. Whatever, whatever value you put on that, I'm going to measure you by that. And he actually closes by saying, whoever has will be given more and whoever doesn't have, even what they have will be taken. What does that mean? He's saying when you come to the Lord and your heart is open, your heart is, your posture is open and receptive to what Jesus is saying 
and how he is teaching you to see him and the kingdom of God and how to live and what your life is like. When you come in open, he says, I will give you even more. I'm going to increase in you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to help you to walk this thing out. And for some of you, you feel like you just have a little bit, right? Like your, your life just has this openness and receptiveness, but you got fear and all this. Look, Jesus' promise to you is that whoever has will be given more. But, and whoever doesn't have, like whoever comes in and they think they know everything there is to know, and they are just applying Jesus' words to affirm their own views and perspectives, he says, to you, everything will be taken. He says, your hearts are closed off. You can't actually receive. And so what little revelation you have of who I am and the truth of what it means to be alive in me is being snatched away. And I just want to encourage you today. Like, There's no greater warning to us than to remember that we don't know everything. That Jesus is confronting us, and through the parables, man, he's creating a crisis of our expectations and what we discern and see and perceive so that we can see things through his lens instead. Uh, And this is really about you stopping and thinking for yourself and wrestling. There's no just principles here. Jesus doesn't tie it up neatly with a bow. It's not even clear. He uses a story and a metaphor to invite you into relationship, to have you actually walk this thing out with him in a different way. If I can just close with a single thought, it is this. Uh, In this story, no matter what soil you find your life in, we know this. Jesus is the seed. Jesus is the planting of God. He is the word of God to us. He is the reality of God. He is the nature of God. He is the character of God. And in those moments where God feels mysterious and distant or you struggle to feel connected with him, in Christ we see the seed, the word of God played out for us. He's the source of life. And so for those of you who today, you're just saying, man, I really want to be close to the Lord. I don't know where to start. Start with Jesus. Start with the book of Mark. Start reading and asking, Jesus, what is it that you're saying and what does it have to do with me? How do I respond to what it is that you're saying to us today? I want to ask you this week, next week, if you just take some time and evaluate your heart. As you read the parables, really wrestle to find what it is that Jesus is speaking to you. Um, Because I promise, the Holy Spirit is speaking. John chapter 10 tells us, right? My sheep will know my voice. They will know you. And so if your heart is poised to know the Lord, he promises he will speak, but we have to listen. Guys, we love you and we are with you. Uh, in weeks to come, I want to ask you, make sure that you're staying in tune with us on uh, MailChimp emails that are coming out to you. We send out a weekly newsletter and we have weekly updates that actually will change things. So being a church plant, I love that we can pivot and make different decisions in a moment's notice. I love that. Okay. That's part of my personality. Uh, and so With Pentecost Sunday coming up on the 31st, this is a time where we just celebrate the birth of the church. We celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Who knows? We would love to do some stuff together, whether it's in small groups or maybe just worshiping together. So please make sure you're reading those. And if you're not on that list, reach out. uh, Grant at FountainCity.org. Let us know what you need. We love you. If you have any needs that we can help to meet in this season, we're here as a family. And we'll have more information coming out about how you can participate in what God's doing here.